There once was a young rock star who was in a band that was just signed to a record deal, and then he was abruptly kicked out of his band. After getting over his self-pity, he vowed to start a new band. He decided that his new band would be so successful that his old band would forever regret their decision. He worked hard, practiced religiously, put together a great band, wrote songs, and became successful. Unfortunately, the band he was kicked out of originally was the huge heavy metal band Metallica that sold over 180 million albums worldwide. In a rare interview, the tearful rock star admitted that he couldn't help but still consider himself a failure. Despite all that he had accomplished, in his mind, he would always be the guy who got kicked out of Metallica. I'm going to ask my pal Joe if he knows who this rock star is, and we'll explore how some values are better than others when it comes to our life's happiness. We are Dudes in Progress. Hey, Joe. What's shaking, my friend? My heavy metal rocking friend? <laughs> I thought you might like that intro. It was part of the book I've been reading called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... I do know the answer to that question, Ah, by the way. Yes, who is it? Are you, are you going to officially ask yeah, me? Yeah, tell me who it is. Dave Mustaine. I knew you would know the answer. I knew that'd be an easy. Dave Mustaine. Uh, first of all, Dave Mustaine... His faith is very important to him. Uh, he's a Christian, and his faith is very important to him. But Dave Mustaine, after he got kicked out of Metallica, went on to start uh, an amazing heavy metal group called Megadeth. That's right. And Dave Mustaine is one of the best, man. Yeah. Uh, just a fantastic musician. Fantastic. Well, it's part of a chapter. I'm going to go over a couple of these chapters again. And again, I've been really enjoying this book. I talked about sometimes there's a book you start and you're not really into it and kind of dies in the vine. But I'm really getting into this, Joe. I'm actually going to go over two more chapters and then save another episode for the final review. I'll give you a little heads up what's going to come on in that so conversation. We're going, we're going to do a part three of the subtle art of not giving a Yes. <laughs> awesome. We're just okay. running with it, dude. Okay. I'm, you know, sometimes you read a book and there's just some good stuff in there. You don't have to get and like everything in the book, but I think there's some things. I think there's actually this week some things that you've talked about that you've shared with us, especially I remember when you were telling us your belief in you're comparing values versus goals. Right. So keep that in mind as we get into this. And I, this chapter three is titled, you are not special. Joe, is that true? Are you not special? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just a guy hanging out. <laughs> but can I tell you a funny story? Yeah. About not being special. You just reminded me of this. You are not special. That's the name of the chapter. Yes. Have you ever seen Monty Python's life of Brian? No, but I've been giving it a lot of thought because I just obviously went out to see Spam a lot. Spam a lot, the Holy right. Grail, and watched the movie a little bit. So I definitely, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that all the way through. 
Well, very briefly, The Life of Brian is about is a Monty Python movie about a man who was born very near to and at the same time as Jesus. And they get they get mixed up with each other. Uh, some people are actually following Brian, right? And because they they got mixed up, first of all, because the the star, uh, the star was uh, that the wise men followed uh, pointed. They thought were pointed was pointing to Brian, and it actually was pointing to Jesus. And there were people mixed up, and so it goes on to tell this guy's life story. Okay, and it's it's funny. <laughs> It's not for the faint of heart, but it's funny. Okay. Uh, if you take your Christianity too seriously, you might want to you might want to check your ego at the door. Uh, but there's a scene where uh, this mob of people are standing outside of Brian's window, waiting for him to say something profound, right? Right. Wanting Brian to speak to them, mm -hmm. and he comes out and he goes on to this conversation and kind of wraps up like this. You've all got to think for yourselves. And the crowd at all at one time says, yes, we've all got to think for ourselves. You're all unique people. Yes. You're all, we're all unique people. You're all different. <laughs> yes, we're all different. And one guy says, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the humor is so good. Oh, it's great. It's the best. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. <laughs> yeah. You're all different. I'm not. <laughs> I probably got that wrong, but it well, isn't it funny. In this chapter, I'm going to keep this chapter a little bit short. I'm going to go in more depth in the, the chapter four. But I think that is a little bit of the, the meaning of this chapter, Joe. The guy who says, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not different. The point he's making is we're all pretty much the same. Well, if you if you look at your self-worth and can be honest and frank about some things, like, yeah, sometimes I'm irresponsible with money. Sometimes I exaggerate my own success. I rely too much on others to, to support me and should be more self-reliant. You know, people like that, they act upon those things to try to improve them, but entitled people, they're not cap capable of that. They, they don't even acknowledge their own problems openly and honestly. And they're, they're not really even capable of improving their lives in any lasting or meaningful way. So it's an interesting thing. I, I think the fact that Joe, you and I called our show dudes in progress, this might not be a, a topic that we have to work on too much. <laughs> yeah. Because we know we have we have a lot of work to do, right? <laughs> yeah, right. He goes into some things that are pretty interesting, like technology has solved old economic problems by giving us new psychological problems. The internet has not just opened sourced information, also open sourced insecurity, self doubt, and shame. Like you see all the you see all the good stuff that people are accomplishing. You don't see the everyday home, you know, work and hard work behind the scenes that get people there. That is interesting that you only see you only see the pictures of them out on the boat right. or watching the sunrise or sunset or playing with their kids uh, at the at the park or whatever it might be. And in fact, if there's that if there if there are occasions where somebody actually is authentic and maybe pours their feeling out, 
pours their feelings out on Facebook, they kind of get ridiculed and made fun of. We don't need to hear that. Why do you, why are you complaining? What are you complaining all the time? You know, know. here, there's, there's Mary talking about her ales and aches again. (laughs) Yeah. The extremes get all the publicity. So, I mean, he just kind of finishes up with says that most of our lives are pretty ordinary, but maybe it's the ordinary and it's ordinary for a reason because these are the things that actually matter. Those ordinary things that you do, the person that goes to work every day, supports their family, puts their kids through college. It's all kind of boring stuff and ordinary, but. Everyday mundane, right? Yeah, but it's, it's still, it actually matters. It does things. matter. It does matter. This chapter four is about the value of suffering. Now, I told you the story, and Joe was accurately recognized. What's his name? Mustang? D- Dave Mustang. Yep. Dave Mustang. I was relying not, on not you. Mustang, not Mustang. Not, not like the car. <laughs> Mustang. Dave Mustang. This chapter talks about how people value certain things. And the fact that he valued getting back at his former band more than the actual success that he, I mean, he had tremendous success, has tremendous success, right? Oh yeah. He's yeah one of the, one of the top rated heavy metal bands of all time. The point being made is it's a little sad that he valued beating that old band. Now that drove him. There's no doubt that it drove him to some level of success and greatness, but it's too bad. He couldn't just pull back that a little bit and look at, and appreciate his success a little bit more. Well, if you if you look back at that story, uh, the other members of Metallica uh, were well founded in their desire for Dave to leave oh, the really? band. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is interesting how he carried that around his whole life to this day. And yeah. To this day, and it's almost like the, that 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 incident lives rent free in his head. Right. And it's a belief. Yeah. Some people might, some people might feel that that, that's actually a good thing because it drove him to success. But I'll bet he spent a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of frustrated, a lot of frustrated times when he was making music, trying to compare himself to Metallica and trying to beat them. He fought for that value to beat them. But. Yeah, was it really worth giving up some happiness along the way? Mm-hmm. The way that we're ta- telling that story. The other one, this was fascinating. I've kind of heard generalities in this before, Joe, but he talks about this second lieutenant, Hiru Onoda, if I'm saying that right, a Japanese soldier. December of 1944, he was deployed on the small island of Lubang in the Philippines. And his orders were to stop the United States progress, to stand and fight at all costs and never surrender. Now, I'd heard of stories of Japanese soldiers in the jungles, in these islands, never surrendering. I never knew that it went to this extent. This guy, five years went by. He was still fighting, and he had a small group still going with him after the end of the war. And even the Japanese and the American forces would try to drop leaflets to try to convince him that the war was over. He kept on shooting at farmers, burning crops, stealing livestock, even murdering locals 
for this value had of never surrender. Matter of fact, the the Philippine locals finally got sick of this and they tried to to get him. They finally, uh, one of his companions finally surrendered and one was killed in, in 1959. My gosh. <laughs> he still continued. He went on and on in this campaign. And then, so he was basically alone at some point. And he tells the story of a young man. His name was, his last name was Suzuki. And he was kind of an adventurer, kind of a hippie kind of a guy. And he was born even after the war ended. And he went out to try to find this guy, this lieutenant who was still out there. He actually did find him. They thought, they figured he was dead because they hadn't heard much from him actually for several years. Long story short, he finally convinced this Onoda to come out of the jungle after all these years. I want to say it was 1972 like, or something. It's like something unbelievable. So he held on to this belief for how long? Like 1972. My gosh. <laughs> My gosh. They're in the jungles in the Philippines. You talk about you talk about somebody holding on to a mindset and holding on to a belief. Unreasonably holding on. What war lasts that long? Yeah. That's incredible. Values underlie everything we are and do. I mean, he was holding on to that value that made him persevere. That never surrender value. Yeah. Everything we think and feel about a situation ultimately comes back to how valuable we perceive it to be. What is objectively true about your situation is not as important as how you come to see the situation, how you choose to measure it and value it. We get to control what our problems mean based on how we choose to think about them, the standard by which we choose to measure them. I think the key word is there is choose. Yes. We get to choose how we measure our values, how we carry out our values. And we even get to choose whether we believe it or not, what our values are. Yeah. You had a different belief. Like if his belief was... At some point, most some of these soldiers even at some point said, we really have no chance of winning. <laughs> right. My belief is this is this is ridiculous. They finally came, you know, finally came to that decision, although the Japanese did not surrender very much in the Pacific campaign. They really hold on to that. And, you know, he says these stories suggest that some values and metrics are better than others. Like this belief that, you know, Dave and. This lieutenant, Japanese lieutenant, those aren't great values or metrics that they were using. Some lead to good problems that are easily and regularly solved, though. Others lead to bad problems that are not easily and regularly solved. That's interesting, Kurt, because the never surrender value, there's honor in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that, that <laughs> stick to itness, yeah. that grit, that saying, everything else be damned. I'm not giving up. I'm yep. not giving up. And you can you can take that to whatever your whatever war you're fighting. Never surrender. There's honor in that. Yep. Until it's taken too far or out of context or no longer useful to you. That's right. So he he gives a I know he like lists. He got a couple of lists list of four here. Some bad values. These are a handful of common values that are that create really poor problems for people. 
problems that can hardly be solved. They're going to surprise maybe a few of us. A value that's hard to, that might be a poor problem. Pleasure. Pleasure is great, but it's a horrible value to prioritize your life around. Hmm. You got your hand, head around that one? Yeah, isn't that what we all desire? Pleasure? Comfort? Convenience? Peace? Pleasure, though, is a, is a false god. Research shows that people who focus their energy on superficial pleasures end up more anxious, more emotionally unstable, and more depressed. Pleasure is not the cause of happiness. Rather, it is the effect. You get the other stuff right, the other values and metrics, then pleasure will naturally occur by as a byproduct. He does talk about how suffering, I'm going to give you the definition of this whole chapter at the end. There can be some happiness in the things that, you know, take a little work to do. He's called call it suffering. And the second one, material success. Many people measure their self-worth based on how much money they make, what kind of car they drive, or whether they, their front lawn is greener and prettier than the next, neighbor, next door neighbors. Research shows that once one is able to provide for basic physical needs, food, shelter, and so on, the correlation between happiness and worldly success quickly approaches zero. I think you and I recognize that. Mm-hmm. That's not, that one's not that hard to get our arms around. The other issue with overvaluing material success is the danger of prioritizing it over other values, such as honesty, nonviolence, and compassion. Right? People who strive for material success have no problem being dishonest or maybe violent and those kind of things. If that's their if that's their driving force, ju- right. just material success, because quite honestly, no pun intended, <laughs> that's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to look at the uh, look at the Bernie Madoffs or the Elizabeth Holmes or uh, all those people who have who by scandal produce material success. Here's another rotten value. Always being right. Our brains are insufficient machines. We consistently make poor assumptions, misjudge probabilities, misremember facts give in to cognitive biases, and make decisions based on our emotional whims. The fact is, people who base their self-worth on being right about everything prevent themselves from learning from their mistakes. It is more helpful to assume that you're ignorant and don't know a whole lot. (laughs) This keeps you unattached to superstitious or poorly informed beliefs. Well, I've met that threshold. (laughs) That's one test that, you know, that's one thing I can brag on is being ignorant. (laughs) <laughs> i'm the best <laughs> we're pretty good at this one too i mean <laughs> is there a hill you're gonna die on joe i i have a handful but not many <laughs> not many this is, is this is this uh a marriage counseling episode always being right <laughs> right <laughs> i used to have this thing when people would say you think you're always right because i'm i'm very good a little braggadocious here but i'm very good at at proving my point with logic and reason and all and connecting all the dots and and m- leaving the conversation feeling like well I showed them <laughs> and them yeah. saying well I guess you're right Joe I used to be very good at that I still am pretty good at it but I would always say they would say 
Joe, you think you're always right. And I think, well, why would I think I'm wrong? That would be mental illness. <laughs> if I walk around thinking I'm wrong about everything, of course I think I'm right. That's why I think that way. But there's no humility in that. There's no right. learning in that. There's no sense of growth. If, if all you do is defend your position, you know, despite a, a, a better opinion or a better way of looking at it or a better method or a better process, well, then you're going to be stuck. Mm. This is another one that's in our society. If you're not always right, you kind of, or if you're not the expert, you kind of look down on. I get this in my podcast. I've got a lot of smart people in the topic that I, I talk about. And sometimes if you're the leader of a group, you're expected to be the one that knows everything. Right. Which is a mistake. I, yeah, I don't believe that at all. I never did. I don't, I don't have any desire to be the one that knows everything. Or am I that conceited to think that I'm going to know everything? <laughs> and that's a problem that leaders run into, especially new leaders, that they feel that, well, I've just been appointed manager or I've just been appointed director right. or I've just been appointed, appointed team leader or whatever it is. All of a sudden, I have to be the one to know everything about it all. And that's a trap that that leads to failure mm -hmm. because you'll never know everything about your about your position. Uh, there's always something to learn and you just look like a fool otherwise. Right. I love hearing other opinions and other ways of thinking of things. I love learning. Me too. From others. I've always kind of prided myself, honestly. I've, I've always, especially recently over the past... 10 years or so, Kurt, I've always proud of myself of, of being and being able to take criticism. Yeah. Yeah. I know and, you are good at that and actually soliciting criticism. One of my favorite, one of my favorite terms, whenever I send out an email for people to review or a letter for people to review or presentation for people to review, I always say, be sure to give this your most critical eye and let me know mm -hmm. your thoughts. Cause I want to leave it open to, uh, to criticism. Some of it stings. That's the truth. Especially if there's, if there's a phrase or a process or something in, in that, uh, in that, that you have particular ego invested in. Yeah. I know. I, I got some criticism that I'm clueless <laughs> in one, one review on a podcast. And that one stung for a while. But it was kind of mean and mean spirited. So I've learned to just, we kind of laugh about it and joke about it with my listeners. Mm -hmm. And then, but I had another one where they said, as an interviewer, they had a, actually a pretty good review. And it was, it was kind of, it was mostly positive, but they said I interrupted the guest too much. And I've taken that one to heart. You know, I can agree or disagree with that a little bit. It's hard to interview someone and not inject yourself into the interview. But mm -hmm. in my editing, sometimes I'll, I, I keep that in the back of my head. And I think that is a good piece of feedback to remember as you're interviewing people. Fourth one, staying positive. Then there are those who measure their lives by the ability to be positive about, well, pretty much everything. Lost your job? Great. <laughs> Constant positivity is a form of avoidance, not a valid solution to life's problems. Problems which, by the way, if you're choosing the right values and metrics, should be invigorating to you and motivating to you to go solve them. 
When we force ourselves to stay positive at all times, we deny the existence of our life's problems. And when we deny our problems, we rob ourselves the chance to solve them and generate happiness. He's talked about that before. Problems add a sense of meaning and importance to our life. This is an interesting concept, Kurt. And let's yeah. can we go down this road a little bit? Yeah. I genuinely try to lean on the positive side and to try to look at look at the glass half full, right? Try to try yeah. to look at the sunny side of things and try to be a positive force in people's lives. Uh when I enter a room and everybody's complaining about something, uh, I want to be the positive force. In fact, when we go through certain tragedies or certain downfalls or certain negative things, I want to be in the habit of asking, could this be one of the best things that ever happened to me? Mm -hmm. To give it a different, to give it a different look. I mean, I've had some, I've had some pretty rough things happen to me over the, over the past couple of years. Uh, some I've talked about, some I haven't talked about. And I've asked myself, what if this is the best thing to ever happen to me? Yeah. Now, is that being, is that being Pollyanna and overly positive? Is that avoidance, do you think? No, you know what I'm thinking of? You know, he says constant positivity is, can be a, it can be a form of avoidance. Like, I mean, the easy one to pick would be an abusive relationship. If you're constantly positive. Gotcha. You know, you're really not addressing a really a real problem. You're avoiding that problem by mm. being absolutely. Positive. I get that. I get it. I get it. I think that's where he's going with this. Yeah. Well, I'm, actually, he does go into a little more detail, but he gives those kinds of examples. Yep. No, I think it's it's definitely lean more to the positive. You don't want to be a negative person all the time. Everything's a balance, right? Right. In the long run, completing a marathon makes us happier than eating a chocolate cake. Oh, Raising I'm not a- convinced of that. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some good chocolate cake, dude. <laughs> you like your cake. <laughs> Let me see if I give you another example. Raising a child <laughs> Raising a child makes us happier than beating a video game. That's I think true. Joe will agree with that. That's true. Starting a small business with friends while struggling to make ends meet makes us happier than buying a new computer. So this is where he's getting to the heart of the title of this chapter, which is the value of suffering. It's almost like to look at that suffering and understand sometimes when you're suffering, that suffering you're going through is going to be some of the most things you're most proudest of when you look back at the end of your life. So these activities are stressful, arduous, and often unpleasant. They also require withstanding problem after problem. Yet they are some of the most meaningful moments and joyous things we'll ever do. Do we seek problems? Do we seek issues? Do we seek bad things to happen so we can go through so we can go through these learning lessons? I think we I mean some of these things he's talking about are challenging things. Completing a marathon. You know, that looking at that can be wow, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of pain and suffering there. Or should I I don't know, should we have kids? <laughs> That's a lot of responsibility. So I've thought about, man, should we even have had kids? <laughs> and then my grandkids came. I'm like, all right, something good did come of this. <laughs> awesome. I think Joe and I, I think we'd both agree some of the 
most important things we've done in our life is raising our families. Right. We can at least look back on that and say, hey, that's something we can be proud of. I've done something right. Yeah. But even raising your kids, uh, I tend to look back and think, man, I, I really screwed that up or I really screwed this up. And there's been times, oh, yeah. Kurt, honestly, I mean, this is this oh, is no probably off subject, but uh, there there have been times that I've sat down with my kids when I've had a memory of something that I, I think I've I've wronged them somehow as a child, you know, treated them unfairly or was not as supportive as I could have been. And I've sat down with them and apologized and yep. said, hey, I'm really sorry for this. And the thing that has been haunting me for years until I talked to them about it, they didn't even remember. <laughs> Like, come on. <laughs> so true. Dad, you're supposed to, you know, listen, Very kid. True. kid it hurts you more than hurt them, huh? Yeah, kid, you're supposed to say, oh, dad, thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I've been, this has been something that has been, I've been holding on to, and now you've released me from this pain. I hope now we can, mm. we can, we can continue to grow and thrive in our relationship as <laughs> father and daughter, you know? Nope. Pass the catch up. I don't even remember that. that is, although my son Harry can probably relay the time I went after him one time. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck in his memory. Yep. I know his brother remembers. Yeah. So there's some examples of good, healthy values like honesty, innovation, vulnerability, standing up for oneself, standing up for others, self-respect, curiosity, charity, humility, creativity. These are all good, healthy values. Some bad Unhealthy values, dominance over through manipulation or violence, indiscriminate. Oh, I'm not going to use that word. Feeling good all the time, always being the center of attention, not being alone, being liked by everybody, being rich for the sake of being rich, sacrificing small animals to pagan gods. <laughs> <laughs> You'll notice the good, healthy values are achieved internally. Ah, it's an inside job, Joe. Mm. Bad values are generally reliant on external events. Flying in a private jet, being told you're the right all the time, owning a house in the Bahamas, eating a cannoli while, well, oh, I can't put that one down either. <laughs> Hold on. I just had a cannoli in New York at a place called Cannoli King. So, uh, eating a cannoli while you're in New York City. There you go. <laughs> I'll say it that way. All right. Can't wait to read that part in the book. <laughs> So values are about prioritization. Everybody would love a good cannoli or a house in the Bahamas. The question is your priorities. What are your values that you prioritize above everything else and that therefore influence your decision-making more than anything else? This speaks to what we, what we talked about earlier in that you said I would appreciate, and yeah. I do, the idea of values and how important values are and why are values – because if we just have a goal – Without a valueless foundation, uh, we will, once we reach that goal, yeah. our only value is to reach another goal. Right. What's most important are, are the values that get us to the quote unquote goal. Yeah. Even like you talk about running a marathon, that's a great high. If you run and finish a marathon, you might stop. I mean, this happened to me. I had an injury and I stopped running. But I deep prioritized good health. 
which is the value, mm -hmm. right? If your value is good health, then even though you run the marathon or whatever goal you're after, that race that you were trying to prepare for, you get up the next day after that race and continue that value of good health. Right. That's kind of, that's a great example of a goal versus a value. So the rest of the book, and I am going to do another episode on this, Joe, because I am enjoying this book. There's five counterintuitive values that he believes are the most beneficial values that you can adopt. Taking responsibility for everything that occurs in your life, regardless of who's at fault. That's the first one. That's a tough one. Yep. These are all tough ones. Because we want we we don't want to feel the pain of responsibility. Right. We don't want to feel like something was our fault. We don't think that we don't want to feel like we our actions had a negative impact on the world. Yep. Uncertainty, the acknowledgement of your own ignorance and the cultivation of constant doubt in your own beliefs. Ooh, constant doubt in your own beliefs. That's hard. Yeah, I th that is hard. That's why and, these intrigue me. And if we have a if we have a a position I'm not sure I'm not sure how I feel about that statement. I'd have to explore that a little bit. Because if we have a if we have a position of constant doubt in our own beliefs, doesn't that doesn't that lead us leave us with a with a shaky foundation? You know, what? I think it's more to question your beliefs. Yeah. You don't have to, I don't know, maybe constant doubt, you don't have to go that far. But take a look at some of the beliefs you have. They might not be the right belief. That's true. That's serving you well. These, these are going to be fun chapters to get into. Failure, the willingness to discover your own flaws and mistakes so that you may improve upon them. We talked about that. That's an easy one. And you talked about this one, rejection. The ability to say or hear no. Right. Clearly defining what you will and will not accept in your life. The, the, the ability to say no, I believe, is the single most important skill that somebody can learn to have a thriving life. I do. Yeah, and then clearly define what you will and, not, and will not accept in your life. Right. Right. Final one we're going to look at, the contemplation of one's own mortality. This one is crucial because paying vigilant attention to one's own death, perhaps the only thing capable of helping us keep all our other values in the proper perspective. So the most important relationships in the world to me are with my wife and my children. The most important human relationships right. are with my wife and my children. And then come my friends and, and uh, people who are, uh, closer than friends, uh, you know, but my wife and my children, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with you or not, Kurt, but I'm going to share it here on the show. I sat down with my kids one day for breakfast and I asked them and they had a difficult time with it. And I had a difficult time asking them this, but I asked them to write my eulogy. I asked them to write my eulogy in a way that they had hoped that, that they hoped I would be. Wow. Write the eulogy that they would want from me. Where'd you if, get that idea? I have no idea. <laughs> Your own? What would you want to say about if you were writing my eulogy, and this is this is the way I said it. 
If you were writing my eulogy, what would you want to be able to say about me? As a father, as a husband, as a man, as a contributor to society, what would you want to be able to say about me? Did they do it? They did it. And it brought tears to my eyes. It did. I keep them. Huh? And I keep them in a in a box that I preview. So you didn't, look at they didn't remember the, the times you tortured them. <laughs> no, they they remember, you know, they they talked about things like uh we have a habit of going out to breakfast. I mean, we have a routine right. of going out to breakfast periodically. I don't want to say once a month, but let's just call it call it on a regular basis. And I would say half the time, I'll say to my daughter, I'll say, and I did this since I was since even as they were little kids. Pick out a couple or pick out a person that you want to buy their breakfast. And they would pick, they would, they would point somebody out and we'd try to clandestinely buy their breakfast and make sure that they didn't know about it and all of that stuff. My daughter, one of my daughters called that out in my, in the, in the fake eulogy, right? Yeah. That dad was the type of person that wouldn't let anybody go hungry. Very nice. That's what they got from that. Yeah. Really great idea. So I don't know I don't know what took me down that path, but there's my rabbit hole for the day. Well, it certainly gets into that your own mortality <laughs> directly. Right. And those are the types of things you want to pay attention to before we're actually there. All right, Joe, I know you want to spend time with your family tonight. You've been busy. We're gonna to try to get you out in the time we promised. But did you have a win for the week? I do. I do have a win for the week, Kurt. Thank you for asking. My win for the week is I, I'm in the process of closing down our office where I work, uh, our office and our warehouse, a 2000 square foot warehouse and an office with two, two with three offices and six cubicles. We're closing it down. Everybody's working is going to work virtually and we are going to contract out the uh, the logistics of packing and shipping a warehouse. We're going to contract that out to a third party. But over the past few days, I've been closing down our office and warehouse, and I have done more physical labor in the past three days than I probably have in the past 10 years. <laughs> Unintentional. Like I, I've done physical labor. I've done, I've, I've walked, you know, many marathons and stuff like that. So I've, I've, I've purposefully done that, but not as a part of my job. And I've been, packing up boxes and moving stuff around and driving forklifts and driving pallet jack and using pallet jacks and uh, stuff that people who do manual labor on a regular basis are probably laughing at me right now. Uh, but it's not something I've been used to doing. And we are 90% of the way done with closing our office in our warehouse at work. Uh, the, the guys are coming to move all the crates and move all the boxes. Uh, I mean, we're talking about, you know, 50 foot shelves that we were pulling stuff down and packing it into big crates and trying to figure out what goes where and oh, where, where each thing, go, where each thing will finally end up. And so we did it and we're 90% of the way there. There's some final cleanup work, but this week I successfully closed and packed our, mm. our office and warehouse at work. And that is one of the most horrible jobs <laughs> cleaning out. It's the worst. I know. It's the worst. Good job. Glad you're almost yeah. there. How about yours? 
Mine sounds like a very simple one, and it is to some degree, but I'll explain myself. I installed a garden tractor battery, Joe. Oh, cool. This is important to me because I've been procrastinating about this for about two years. (laughs) And, you know, there's just some things. um, It was causing me a, a lot of pain because I'd had to... Charge that battery every t- every time I want to use it. I had to sit there and charge it or jump that battery in order to use my tractor, and just put up with that instead of doing the the research, shopping, uninstalling the old one, bringing it over to the wherever I'm bringing it to. You know, all of those things takes time, and those are things that I tend to procrastinate. Plus, I don't like dealing with like electrical things, as you might you you already know this. Like, I have this fear I'm going to get shocked from this battery, too, to be honest with you, in the back of my mind. Right. <laughs> Again, right. YouTube really settled my fear there, and he made a comment. It was a really short video, less than like three, like three minutes. It said, just don't drop like your wrench and hit the two posts at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. And basically, you know, calm my nerves that, and it was actually really simple to get in, and that was one of the easiest things I ever did. Did take a little time to finally find the battery I needed and, and all that, but I'm all set. I now can just hop on my tractor and go mow the grass. Awesome. Without jumping it. Congratulations. You know, isn't it funny about procrastination? Yeah, exactly. It's it just it's just the craziest <laughs> thing because let These me ask things. you. Let me it's, ask you, yeah. when you were finished, what is the first question that you asked yourself? <laughs> Why did I wait so long to do this? Why did I wait so long? This was easy. <laughs> I know it. Yeah. So I mean, again, breaking things down to little, little tasks, which was kind of what I did. Like one day I went out and looked home Depot didn't have the battery, which upset me because two months ago they did. I go, okay, now I got to go to another store. And I just, I actually, I wasn't feeling good. And I'm like, all right, I'm not driving all over to a bunch of stores. I got a fever running here, Mm -hmm. but I had a little more information, you know? So I did a little bit of time, (laughs) asked my dad, I said, dad, where would you get a battery? What's a good place around town to get a battery? You know, and he get actually his advice was perfect. I ended up getting one of those Sears. What do you call those? The Sears battery over at Advanced Auto. I got it. Duralast or whatever. Yeah, I'm forgetting think, the name brand. Yeah, long, long time name brand. So actually, what so is it, that name brand? You're right. I can't. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I can't think. I, yeah. It's right there. I can see the I logo, but I just can't. I know. I just can't. I should know. I'll just, I've got a mission going out. I'll just give you a quick update. I promised in the next 30 days, my mission was to study and pass the Microsoft Power Platform Fundamentals Certification Exam. I got through a bunch of videos that I planned on doing, about nine hours worth. I bought a practice test today, Joe, and it was 20% off, I think it was, which was nice. Nice little discount. And I did... 40 minutes, did the first kind of pass through with 40 questions. I have over 150 questions that I can do. And guess what? I failed. Oh. I failed the test. I got a 57. I need an 80. So the bad news is I failed. But the good news is I'm going to keep working at it till I pass that test in the practice test. And you know you have work to do. I got work to do. Had you not taken the practice test and been proactive. Yeah, you got a lot of information. Just, you yeah. have gone in there with false confidence. Old, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I got an idea of how they're doing the test. Like they'll have 
it's um you could put like multiple there's multiple choice there and if you don't if you don't get it all right they count the whole question wrong mm. you know so i learned some things of how it's structured which is good information and then i can look at the ones i get wrong and hopefully they're close to what the actual test is going to be so and there's a lot of stuff on there i wasn't i didn't realize there was going to be on there so well good. congratulations on your 57 yeah, I'm getting close, right? Fifty-seven is a start. It's a good. There's only there's only one way to go. Well, which is Kurt. I'm, I'm proud of you. Seriously, I'm proud yeah. of you for putting yourself out there and exposing yourself. And and at our at our age, yeah. Uh, yeah. willing to learn a whole new uh, a whole new platform. It's awesome. Thanks. What's your resource for the week? Well, I I engaged uh, recently two two similar resources, but different. One of them is a virtual assistant uh, at, at oh, yeah. work. You know, we are we are trying to lean up. We're trying to figure out how to how to do things uh, more efficiently and less expensive. And so, oh. instead of hiring somebody to do some of the administrative work that we need done and some of the sales support work that we need done, I hired a, a virtual assistant. And this virtual assistant comes pre qualified comes with the skill set that I need. Uh, and they have worked out amazingly. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So if you get an opportunity to, to, to hire a virtual assistant, just give it a try. Great. Just give it a try. And the other one is very similar. This was the, uh, this was a great help to me over the past few days as we were closing down our warehouse. Uh, I found a site called people ready and people ready has basically Laborers, people who who do who work with their hands, right there, ready to work, mm. and can show up right now. Wow! And Great. so yesterday, last week, I called, I called this company called Labor. Uh, it used to be called Labor Ready, but it's called People Ready now, and I like the name change. Yeah. Uh, I called this company People Ready. They had somebody out the next day. That guy stayed with me for three days and did amazing work. Oh, and yesterday, awesome. as I was, as we were wrapping some stuff up, I realized, well, my gosh, I am going to need, uh, I'm going to need somebody for tomorrow. And so at four o'clock in the afternoon, I went on their website, requested a resource with these qualifications and standing at my door at eight 30 this morning, uh, was a, um, was a gentleman that crushed it for me. Awesome. I mean, crushed it. Did great work. Getting him to stop was Mm. difficult. Nice. He knew how to drive the forklift. He knew how to, he knew, you know, how to do the, the band strapping. He knew how to do all the packing. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about, about hiring somebody and insurance and liability and all that stuff. They just showed up. And when he was done, he left, I Mm. registered his hours. And here's the cool thing. He got paid that day. Oh, great. He got paid today for the work he did today. Oh, good. And so the, awesome. for, the, for those people that need that kind of that yeah. kind of immediacy, it's wonderful, right? Love that. Yeah. We always talk about who, not how. Like Joe can't do all this stuff himself and this and it's temporary. So those are great resources. Right. So a virtual Love assistant it. and a company called People Ready. Great resources. Mine's a lot simpler. I was thinking about music with our story to kick off the show today. There's a resource I use all the time called allmusic.com. I'm a collector of vinyl records and love music my whole life. 
I use this, I've been using this resource for a long time. It's my go-to place if I hear a new band. And I think they do a really good job of rating their albums. I'm still an albums kind of rock kind of guy. And if I see a an artist I'm interested in, I like to see which ones they feel are the best efforts from that artist. And it's really good for that, for sure. I think they've been pretty fair in ranking their albums that they have there and great write-ups. So it's fun to do that. And also I was looking, there's a couple of artists that I like that were coming up. I heard were coming out with new material. And sometimes it's hard to find a place, a resource to find who's releasing new material. Dave Matthews band came out with a new album. So I looked that up and also, uh, the band Yes comes out this week with a new album, so I was kind of looking to see what that's going to look like. But yeah, allmusic.com. Check it out if you're interested in music and reviews. I'm a music lover myself. I'm not into albums. Uh, mm. I like I love the efficiency and the ease of MP3s, mm. yeah. and quite honestly, I can't tell the difference uh, in the quality of music. Cause I don't care that much. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds the same to me. Uh, uh, so because I love music, I will definitely check out allmusic.com. Sounds I like going deep in their catalog and checking out stuff. Like yeah. I'm going to look at iron maiden maybe soon here, Joe, one of your favorites. No, you'll love it. Iron maiden kind of iron Maiden's an interesting group because they are storytellers at heart. And a lot of people think, think of uh iron maiden as just brainless mindless heavy metal and their their songs are deep and rich in storytelling all right uh, yeah you should you should really i and, will and, check and borderlines pr- progressive rock as well so okay good stuff. yeah I, I gotta do that i've been wanting to do that for a long time because i'll check always... out allmusic.com definitely tell me what's your quote for the week Comes from Viktor Frankl. I've quoted Viktor Frankl a couple times. He wrote Man's Search for Meaning, which is one of those uh, books that uh, the most successful people always point back to and say, this is one of the books that was that was foundational to my learning. Yeah, Man's Search for Meaning. It's, it's It's not for the faint of heart, but it's pretty good. It's a good book. He says, happiness must happen. And the same holds for success. You have to let it happen by not caring about it. Ooh, interesting. That's like Victor's, going right along with the theme of Victor this book. Frankel's way of the subtle art of not giving up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Maybe that's some like, yeah, the things you do, you don't expect. I think it's because when you when you hold on so tightly to something, so yeah. tightly to a belief and so tightly to a desire, uh yeah, this will make it, me happy. If I do this, this will, this will make, make me, me happy. happy or or I'm going I I I want this so badly. Whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Whatever it is. If I don't uh, get it, you, I won't be happy. You yeah. have to let it happen by not caring about it. By wow. not letting it go necessarily, but saying, you know, it's going to happen. And I'm not going to necessarily give a about it. <laughs> right. I love that. Well done, Joe. You know, I want to tell you, I want to tell you off, even off the air, you got to do the topic of stoicism. So I was thinking all of the thoughts and all this, all of these things of self-improvement we've been talking about, a lot of these things were thought on in ancient times. 
Well, we've quoted the Stoics a couple times, Marcus yeah. Aurelius and those guys. I mean, we've we we should do we should do one of Stoicism. Yeah, we got to dig into that topic because I know you've told me about that topic. Yep. My quote: One day, in retrospect, the years of struggle will strike you as the most beautiful, and that is from Sigmund Freud, which was in the book. It was one of the quotes that was in the book. And Joe, that's all we have, except for one other thing. I want to recognize always someone in the community. This week, we got a really good example of one of our great community members, Kevin Curtis Allen. Joe and I have been chatting video. I was on video with Kevin. He did an amazing quest challenge this past weekend. He walked around his sunny Isle of Wight like 80 miles. I think it might have been even more because he had to walk back to the middle at the end. <laughs> and he did this for charity for Alzheimer's. He wanted to raise a thousand pounds was his goal. He had a pledge there you could do in Facebook. And he honestly said to me, I honestly, he'd been happy to get 500 pounds. But my last review of how much he had raised, he was at... Let's look at this in real time right now. Let's see what what where he is if it if it shows on here. Yeah, he has reached one thousand four hundred fifty four dollars. Right. Congratulations, Kevin. Well done, buddy. Well, well done. over. Yes, I'm really proud of him. And he also was talking about to us of coming on the show and doing a topic that he's thinking about. Let's which, not let's not spoil it. Which is we're not going to tell you what it is. We still got to vet it out with him, but he does want to come on the show. We got to schedule it. Don't know when that's going to happen, but because he's five hours ahead of us, so we'll have to get that figured out. But Kevin, congratulations! We're proud of you, and we uh, are all so your proud of you, dude. Podcast family members that helped out. Thank you so much for helping Kevin out and enjoying and and for a great cause. Yeah, Alzheimer's. he and I he and I videoed uh, every morning as well. I know a, a couple people did and. And first of all, the Isle of Wight is gorgeous. Yeah. And I thought about this, Kurt. I'm just, I, and I mentioned this to my wife and she thinks I'm nuts. And maybe, maybe obviously Kevin's problem. Kevin's obviously Kevin's in better shape than I am. Okay. <laughs> but how cool would it be? Let me just throw this out there. Maybe in a, in a couple years, how cool would it be for you and I to fly over to England and do a walk like this with him. Oh, oh, I have plans. I, I I wasn't thinking so much of this walk kind of thing, but I was also thinking of, I've never been to Europe. So doing a little tour with Kevin and some of my other listeners and doing a little tour of Europe, but we could include some fun stuff like that. I definitely wanted to get on the Isle of Wight, but yeah, we could do something. It's gorgeous. It is just for charity beautiful. too. Just yeah. beautiful. Well, you know what was interesting, Joe? What for me was I thought there was like a nice bike path, walking trail that was symmetrically around the island. Oh no. He was walking over driftwood and rocks and up and down stairs and on city streets and Well, he he walked up to what looked like to be a hundred foot drop off straight down. No rails <laughs> around it or anything like that. I'm like, yeah. wow. We don't need him falling. And we were video chatting at the time, and he's, he started to walk over to him. I was like, Kevin, you need to back off. <laughs> Pay man. attention to what you're doing. Yeah. Congratulations, buddy. We love you. We're proud of you. And what a great cause. Uh, I know Alzheimer's affected has affected his life. It's had an impact on my life and many and thousands and millions of other right. lives out there. Uh, a Dementia. righteous cause from a good man. Uh, yeah, 
I got my mother-in-law and my mom going through those he, kinds of things too. So. He got a he got a personalized letter from the Alzheimer's Association. About yeah, this it was one. really so nice. That was, I saw that. Yeah, that was awesome. Cool. Well, take us out, Joe. Well, before we before we end the show, let's remind everybody that uh, our website is Dudes in Progress dudesinprogress.com uh, our email address is the same dudes at dudesinprogress.com dudes at dudesinprogress.com and there you can find uh, how to link to our Facebook page how to link to our Twitter account we're not very active on Twitter but it's there how to link to our Twitter account how to support the show uh, how to subscribe to the show or follow the show on pretty much any format that you want to listen to the show on and uh, you can even listen to the show right online right there at dudesinprogress.com And as we leave, Kurt, remember, progress is certainly better than perfection. So let's keep moving forward. Joe, we know we can do better, so we'll try to do better next time. We certainly will. Talk to you later, pal. (laughs) 